the gospel reading this morning. It's from St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. It can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1570. Glory to you, O Lord. St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 22. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, you shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these things I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And then come and follow me. And at this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Thank you. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. I, uh, I need to start off with a little personal confession here. Um, it could be the fact that I'm not feeling all that great and the fever's taken on, so I'll leave it for... Uh, Jeff here to come and tackle me if I go off too far, but um, will you do that for me, Jeff? Okay, get the hook. Um, you know, over and over I've stated, and, and, and if you haven't heard it, I declare it to you today, that I am no different than you, anyone here, and that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior every day, every moment. And so this morning is no different than that. I woke up, I felt pretty darn good. You know that I've been kind of struggling with stuff, and I don't really know what it is, but we're going to go into the walk-in today and spend five quality hours. Yeah, I know, Sharon. <laughs> you and Ed worry about me, and I don't mean to cause it, but I am going to go down there and, and, and do what it needs to be done. But as I was um, here this morning, um, I was setting up tables out there, and... and I come across a Capri Sun cherry drink that's, you know, those little packets and stuff. Now, I don't drink those. And uh, it's on the ground. And I looked at that, and 
I wasn't very pastorly about it, you know. And I, <laughs> and I, for those at home, I just swept my foot and kicked it into the into the bushes, as I'm lovingly, you know. Now God's doing a work with me. I wasn't going to start this thing. I had an argument with God. Well, He didn't argue with me. Um, his word that I've heard since however long it's been is alive in me. And as soon as I did that, I heard, do uh, your work as unto the Lord. Right? Joyfully. Let us rejoice in the day that the Lord has made and be glad in it. Boy, does that tough, you know, when I'm sitting there being pretty sinful and fleshly and mad at you know, a juice thing laying on the patio that I didn't put there. I need prayer, please. And um, that's about all, all I have to add to that other than, my goodness, how un, not unlike we are or I am to the folks that we're going to talk about this morning, the rich young man. Um, in, in our earlier reading of Amos, you know, the common denominator here is our own understanding, our own hard hearts, our own way of seeing how things should be done, despite what God has proven to us over and over, we know better. And we don't. And so the recurring theme again is humble up, exchange those hardened hearts for ones that are soft and malleable. Don't get to thinking that you're all that, because I just described, and you already knew that, but your pastor ain't all that, and, 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 and we will be humbled. So it's probably better to start now and ask God, help me to see others, maybe even sunny delight juice, cherry things on there the way that you do, not as trash or somebody's absolutely abhorrent selfish, throwing it on my patio kind of a thing, right? Maybe it just dropped out. Maybe it was somebody who had a little kid and, the, and you know, it could have been a lot of things that I would have, oh, that's no big deal. But boy, help us, Daddy, to have eyes to see the way you do. And Jesus gives us that this morning. Prior uh, to what we hear about the young man, the rich young man coming to Jesus, if you remember uh, in Mark chapter 10, the first teaching was about divorce. And talk about uh, kind of a, one of those things where a pastor goes, oh, brother, I got to talk about that. And, and, and it came out pretty good. I did listen to it. And, and, and the point is, is that the, the idea of marriage, the idea of what Christ is doing is that it's the bride is, is, is the church, and you are the bride, and we have all been astray and, and, and committed bad acts, and yet he still pursues us. He never filed divorce and left us, okay? And then the next um, lesson that he teaches is about the, the beauty of children. Let the little children come to me. And just before the rich man stepped in and fell to his knees and had you know, a conversation with Jesus, you notice that Jesus was about to go. I mean, if Jesus was in his suburban backing up, the guy would have been crushed, right? Especially if I was driving for him. It's like, nope, sorry, too late. You missed your chance. But the little ones came to him and Jesus took time. That's another thing that Jesus has that I don't. He has a lot of time. I, th I have more than I think, but he is so 
lavishly spends it on us. All right, Ken, drill it down. I want to make one last point in, in, in chapter 10, verses 13. And they were bringing children to him that he might touch them. Beautiful thing. People, parents saw, I want this man, I want this God, this Messiah to touch my children and bless them. That's what we're called. Bring the little children in. That's why it's so important. And then the disciples rebuked them. These guys have been hanging out with Jesus, getting a, a seminary degree that no one has ever had since. And they should have gotten, and they didn't, but they have flesh. Just like the pastor, just like you, we see what we, is right in front of us sometimes, and we do not see with God's eyes. And Jesus was indignant, and he said, let the children come to me, and do not hinder them. And then he took the babies into his hand, the children into his arms, each one of them. Not a group hug, but each one of them. That is how intimate our Father in heaven is. That is how intimate the Son that came to let us know the nature of the Father is. He showed us. That's how he is for each one of you. And even me. And even this rich, young man. So Jesus just finished laying hands on the littles that were brought to him. Prior to that, the Pharisees and the experts of the law were trying to trap Jesus in blasphemy. They wanted to kill him, right? So that they could get him to somehow to say something bad about Moses and what Moses had said. Talk about having a rough day. I'm complaining about a little bit of a sniffle and all that. And, and, and Jesus had, you know, he's got people wanting to get rid of him and hurt those that he loves. So the young man comes along. And he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And before that, he called him good teacher. And that is didaskalos, didaskalos. And it's used by those typically that are earnestly seeking wisdom and teaching, like the disciples. But it's also used by those that are looking to put him down or to mock him or to trap him. It'd be like, good. <laughs> good teacher. Right? It's mocking. I think it may be the same way that it was intended for um, Luther to be upset by those that called his people Lutherans. But rather than get upset, Jesus notes that the man is coming to him and he knows what his, he's going to say and so forth. He doesn't dress, dress him down. We notice that the man really has it wrong. He says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Which is, is the same thing as asking, what must I do to merit being born into a family that will bestow this birthright? What must I do? To be born of a family with the last name of Carnegie <laughs> or Gates or, you know, name. Uh, what, you can't, can you? It can't be done. And so Jesus invites the man and the people that are listening to examine their own speech and their motives 
In other words, listen to what you just said. You can't choose to inherit a kingdom. You can't choose to inherit uh, money or a birthright. And yet, Jesus could have said, you know, your flattery is worthless and you're, you really don't get it and, you know, be gone. But he listens to him further. In fact, he even encourages the man. Rather than have him try to answer the question of good teacher, what do you mean by that? Jesus made that assumptive close. He said, well, as you know, or you know the commandments. Ah, every good Jewish kid did. You know, the commandments um, are, are, are kind of the... The summary, it, it's, it, it's what all would know and the natural complement to the perfect goodness of what God is. Nobody would say that the commandments were flawed. They would say they were perfect because they were given to God. And so, yeah, I know those. In fact, the kid even goes further to say that um, I have been observing these since I was a little kid. Not even, not even you know, that simple. He says... I have been pulaso, pulaso, which means um, I have been guarding those like a strong man would guard his treasures, like a shepherd would seek over his, look over his flock and be prepared to deal destruction on anything that would even in the least bit be a threat. That's how strongly that word is. Mark only uses it one. Pulasso. You betcha. Those commandments I've held. Well, wouldn't it be great if liar, liar, pants on fire worked once? Right? How many of us would have britches right now? But still, Jesus does not go into him on that he didn't keep those either. It says that Jesus looking at the man loved him. And in my Bible commentary it says that this is the only time that Jesus really picked out an individual. Now you'll know that the one that Jesus loved, well John's the one that wrote that. You know, and the one he loved. You know. But this part, Mark says and Jesus loved the young man. Looking at him, he loved him, and he said to him, you lack one thing. He's about to answer the question. What must I do to inherit? And what must he do? We know what it is. And it's pointed out earlier in Amos, idolatry. Idolatry is, and disobedience is what's going to cause Zion, the Jews, God's chosen people, to suffer. They chose idolatry over God. In Hebrews, he's, he's admonishing them, do not let the church become like the Israelites. Forty years they were in, in rebellion. Forty years. God provided for them. He loved them. He told them what they lacked. He showed them the way, and yet it wasn't good enough. This guy is sitting there with God with skin on. What must I do to inherit it? 
And he's kind of like, okay, I understand where you're getting. I'm going to steer you there. I'm not going to make you look stupid. Even though, you know, I created you and I know your limitations, but I love you. And there's one thing that you lack. Here it is, everyone. Get rid of your idol. Get rid of that which is holding you back. And the young man, it said, went away sorrowful because he had great possessions. The operative word is had, right? Where are those possessions today? Same place that mine will be when time's over. Just like you don't see the U-Haul trailer behind a hearse, right? You just don't. And so I see this as, as, a, as, a, as a, just, oh my gosh, there are rich young men. There are, there are people that don't know what they need but are asking the right questions. Or maybe they're not asking the questions, but they need to hear the answer. And that is everything other than what Christ has to offer, everything other than Christ and him crucified on the cross, if you're going to a church that says, live your best life now. Do this, 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 and this. That's idolatry. Remember the kid, oh, I've been doing those. No, he hadn't, and Jesus knew he hadn't. And yet, if he had been doing them as well as he said he would, he wouldn't have been asking Jesus, what more do I have to do? Because he'd already done it perfectly, and that's what happens. When you and me try to fulfill a perfectly obedient life, we know we didn't do it perfectly. And so either two things are going to happen for the person that is legalistic and that is trying to, to, to check all the boxes off for his own salvation. Either he is going to be vain Empty vanity. I've been doing that since I was a little boy. Quite well. Or he will be stuck in desperate searching. And this kid was in both at the same time. Desperate searching, empty vanity. So what's the inoculation? Well, you already have it. You already have it. You were inoculated against that the day that you were baptized, when you were sealed in his righteousness by word and water and your little bitty faith. It was a gift of the Holy Spirit. It was done for you. Cling to that. You were given a deposit more precious than any gold or silver of the Holy Spirit, God living in you, it was given. He's in you now. There isn't anything you need more of. You're equipped. This message here is a reminder that it's been done. This message is a reminder that, yes, for the unbeliever, for the one who whose hope and faith and trust is in himself, it's easier to put a 
camel through an eye of a needle. But for the sinner who Christ redeems, all things are possible. God is the God of doing impossible things. I'm standing here right now, proof period. He did impossible work in me, for me, to me, and he's done the same thing in each and every one of your lives. He's done what is impossible. And you and me, we went along with the ride. It is that simple. You don't have to do anything to inherit it. You've inherited it. So now what do I do, Pastor Ken? Well, now at the risk of doing law, gospel, law, which is law, gospel, now go and do. Somewhere some theologian is listening to this right now on tape. I know we're getting 350 hits on some of these deals, so I have to be very careful how I say this. It's been done. When Christ said it was finished on that cross, he meant it's finished. So Christian, it's been done. There's nothing you can do to inherit the kingdom of heaven. It's already been given to you and and you're going to receive it. However, in the meantime, as a tree that's in an orchard and, and it produces fruit, you guys are producing fruit. And frankly, you didn't have a lot of choice in that either. You're just making fruit. So share your fruit. Don't let it fall on the ground and rot away. Share it. Give it away. Give it away. What's your fruit? Kindness? Helping? Financing? Loving? Listening? Worshiping? Give it away. I did it, didn't I? I gave you a go and do. In the name of Jesus, amen.